Welcome to Fair Folk. I'm Danica Boyce. Fair Folk is a radio show and podcast exploring folk culture and music from around the world. The show is hosted by Smithers Community Radio, CICK 93.9 FM, and you can find it at smithersradio.com. This week on Fair Folk, you'll find out just how many landscape features can be attributed to the petty hostilities of overgrown men, you'll hear about that one time Stan Rogers dabbled in druidism, and you'll learn what fee-fi-fo-fum actually means.
today's special topic is giants. Mythically strong, ugly, and hated, or heroic and valorized, in ancient stories these epic creatures almost always dole out or meet a bloody end. The first giant I knew of, however, along with many Canadians of my age, was the Friendly Giant, whose show aired on CBC from 58 to 85. This cheery, bardic fellow kept company with a giraffe and a chicken, and played the flute. Next came the lovable pro-wrestling star Andre the Giant, who showed the world that big men could also be hilarious in the film The Princess Bride. This year, the BFG, the Roald Dahl book many of us grew up with, has been adapted to film. But before these figures arrived on the landscape of contemporary children's culture, giants loomed in the mythological landscape of many cultures, sometimes literally. They were huge, humanoid figures, often with a penchant for violence. Sometimes, as in Norse mythology, they had their own realm. Sometimes they commanded the top of a mountain. Others, they roamed solitary, striking fear into the hearts of mere folk. In some mythologies, giants were a race that preceded humans on the planet, shaping mountains, rocks, and rivers, and generally providing nostalgic metalheads with something to pine after. They tended to symbolize regressive human traits that we have since outgrown, like earthiness, aggression, and stupidity. Some tales and songs lament the loneliness of the last remaining giant, as giants are often tragic figures. This may not be surprising, considering the reputation for violence. Across all cultures, however, giants have one thing in common. They are big.
That was a track from Adrian von Ziegler called Jotunheim. Jotunheim is the home of the Jotnar, the giants of Norse mythology. And Jotunheim is their location where they live. And it's from there that they antagonize the gods and Asgard and the humans in Midgard. The next track you'll hear is a song by Stan Rogers, a really excellent tune um, by a Canadian folk icon. And most of his songs are not about old mythology. They're more about a contemporary mythology of work ethic on the east coast of Canada around fishing. And in this song, he likens the landscape of Cape Breton to the ancient Irish landscape and invokes the spirit of Finn McCool, who is a giant in Northern Ireland. So you can listen to how he talks about Druidism and landscape, and you'll see how much Stan Rogers was maybe a bit of a Druid himself. Cold wind on the harbor Wet promise of winter brings recourse to coal. There's fire in the blood and a fog on the door. The giant will rise with the moon. Was the same ancient fever in the Isles of the Blessed that our fathers brought with them when they went west? It's the blood of the druids that never will rest. The giant will rise with the moon. So crash the glass down, move with the tide. Young friends and old whiskey are burning inside. Crash the glass down, Fingo will rise with the moon. years stories as the night slips away remembering Fingal feels not far away the giant will rise with the moon the winds in the north there'll be new moon tonight and we have no circle to dance in its sight light a torch Bring the bottle and build the fire bright. The giant will rise with the moon. So crash the glass down, move with the tide. Young friends and old whiskey are burning inside. Crash the glass down, Fingal will rise with the moon. Of winter brings recourse to coal. 
There's fire in the blood and a fog on Brador. The giant will rise with the moon. That was Stan Rogers with The Giant. Finn McCool, called Fingal in the Stan Rogers song, was believed to have created the Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland and has been more recently rumored to hibernate under under it in wintertime. The old story goes that the Giant was challenged to a fight by the Scottish giant, Benendonner. Finn accepted the challenge and built the causeway across the North Channel so that the two giants could meet and fight. In one version of the story, Finn defeats Ben and Donner. In another, Finn hides from Ben and Donner when he realizes that his foe is much bigger than he. Finn's wife disguises him as a baby and tucks him in a cradle. When Ben and Donner sees the size of the baby, he reckons that its father, Finn, must be a giant among giants. He flees back to Scotland in fright, destroying the causeway behind him so that Finn could not follow. Across the sea, there are identical basalt columns to the giant's causeway in Northern Ireland and it's a part of the same ancient lava flow. Giants whose shaped landscapes include Kalevipoeg, an Estonian giant whose favorite thing to do is to throw stones. Kalevipoeg was the subject of the Estonian national epic of the same name. He used to throw big stones at Old Nick, which is another name for the devil, and these stones, now called erratics, can be found all over Estonia. Yentiel, are giants from the mythology of the Basque region of France and Spain, and are said to represent the pagans who inhabited the land before Christianity. Yentil were enormous, strong, hairy, and they also loved to throw the rocks. Because of this, they were thought to have built many megalithic stone circles and dolmens that are in the Basque region today. According to the legend, the Yentil died out after a huge bright cloud appeared, heralding the birth of Jesus. The frightened Yentil did not want change and ran down the mountains and hid in a dolmen, never to return. This is another song about Finn McCool, The Legend of Finn McCool, by Nick Mason.
of giants that are well known, one of the greatest and most familiar in Western cultures is Goliath. He was the biblical giant who was defeated against all odds by the shepherd David. It was described in the book of Samuel. He was a Philistine champion from the city of Gath, which was where an ancient race of giants were said to originate. His exact size was debated, but it seems he was either six foot eight or nine foot seven. Either way, he was a lot bigger than his opponent, David. He is also described as being clad in an imposing amount of bronze armor. So David strides out to face Goliath with nothing but a humble slingshot, the fate of his people in his hands. David launches a stone from the slingshot, which hits Goliath right between the eyes, and he falls down dead. David then cuts off Goliath's head with the giant's own sword. The next track I'll play is a Swedish medieval ballad called Herr Manelig, which means Sir Manelig. It's a story of a mountain troll, a female mountain troll, who comes down the mountain to court a knight, and she offers him many gifts, but ultimately he refuses her proposal of marriage, which is very disappointing to her because you find at the end of the song that it would have relieved her of a curse, perhaps the same curse that had turned her into a mountain troll in the first place. Vill jag ge vad det 
You are listening to CICK 93.9 FM. I would like to thank Natural's Pantry for supporting CICK. It is now time for the Fair Folk Almanac, a calendar of forgotten holidays to help you get your feast on. In the old Icelandic calendar, winter begins on the Saturday between October 11th and 17th. Winter Nights celebrates the bounty of the harvest and honors Freya and the fertility and protective spirits called Dísir, led by her. Norse neo-pagans will honor Freya this week by pouring a libation of ale, milk, or mead into the soil as an offering to the Dísir and the earth itself. The Armillistrulium was a festival in honor of Mars in ancient Rome, the god of war, celebrated on October 19th. On this day, the weapons of the soldiers were ritually purified and stored for winter. The army would be assembled and reviewed in the Circus Maximus, Garlanded with flowers and trumpets would be played as part of the purification rites. The Romans gathered with their arms and armor on the Aventine Hill and then held a procession with torches and sacrificial animals. The moon is waxing and will be full on October 16th. Now for a change of pace, I'll play a couple of songs from American mythology, beginning with one about Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan was an enormous fictional lumberjack who worked alongside a massive blue ox named Babe, he is known for his superhuman labors, including building the Mississippi River when a jug he was carrying sprung a leak, and also the Grand Canyon when he absentmindedly drug his axe behind him while walking one day looking for firewood. This is Gene Bluestein with Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan, the lumberman, came from St. Paul. He owned a big ox that was 11 feet tall. He mowed down the trees as the farmers mow hay, and the crew was at work before break of day. I lived in Bay City, there was no work in sight. My board bill was due, and I had to take flight. My clothes, they were torn, I was known as a scamp. It was poverty drove me to Paul Bunyan's camp. I got to Paul Bunyan's that very same day. Climbed up his barn and lay down in the hay With some peerless tobacco I did my pipe tamp And I smoked away troubles at Paul Bunyan's camp When I got to the camp I asked for a job Paul Bunyan he met me with a wink and a nod My two eyes were black and I looked like a tramp But he says you're right welcome to Paul Bunyan's camp 
They called me next morning before three o'clock. Get up, you old bum, and pull on your socks. When you work for Paul Bunyan, you don't sleep all day. You feed his big ox, or you don't get your pay. I went to the cook shack, twas forty rod long. We all commenced eating at the sound of the gong. We drank black coffee at the breast of a sow. The pancakes were turned with a big side hill plow. The trees were all cut and lay on the ground. We needed a river to run the logs down. Paul's ox was a big one, a punsy weighed three, and he plowed a big ditch for the big manistee. Paul Bunyan quit logging when his muley ox died. He had a big tent made out of its hide. With the ox yoke for a pillow, he smokes his big pipe, and he dreams of the river he made in one night. This is Fair Folk Footnotes, where I dig into the cultural archives and unearth the old-timey origins of things in popular culture. This week's footnote, fee-fi-fo-fum. This is a phrase we attribute to the giant slayed by Jack in the Jack and the Beanstalk fairy tale. But do we have any idea what it means or why he says it? Well, it turns out there are two main ways this phrase has been interpreted. The poem, as we know it, goes like this. Fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive, or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. The phrase appears in Shakespeare's play King Lear, and in that instance, the character Edgar says, Fi, foe, and fum, I smell the blood of a British man. The word fi, which often appears in Shakespeare's works, is an expression of disapproval, and King Lear himself says repeatedly when he is unhappy, Fi, fi, fi. And fum has also been interpreted to mean fume, so with these pieces together, we could interpret the giant's words to be a mere expression of annoyance, like gosh darn it, or any other expletives you can think of. However, there's another way we could read the rhyme, and that's using Gaelic. Charles Mackay, author of the Gaelic Etymology of the Languages of Western Europe, claims the seemingly meaningless string of syllables, fa, fe, fi, fo, fum, is actually a coherent phrase of ancient Gaelic, and that the complete quatrain subtly expresses the Celt's annoyance about the invading Angles and Saxons. Fa means behold or see. Fe is food. Fi or fi is good to eat. Fo is sufficient, and fum is hunger. Thus, fa, fi, fi, fo, fum becomes behold food, good to eat, sufficient for my hunger. Another American folk hero of great size is John Henry a black American who famously worked as a steel-driving man. That is, he hammered a steel drill into rock to make holes for explosives used in constructing a railroad tunnel. When the company brought in a steam drill to complete the same work, John Henry decided he would engage in a competition against the steam drill, and he did so. Over a day and a half, he and the steam drill competed, and John Henry came out the victor. However, he died shortly afterward from heart failure caused from the stress of the labor. He has been an inspiration in the labor and civil rights movements in America, a symbol of physical and spiritual endurance, as well as resistance to the machine age. This is Doc Watson with The Ballad of John Henry.
sucking wind, Lord, Lord. Boss, that's my hammer sucking wind. was Doc Watson with the ballad of John Henry. Next, another song about John Henry, but a more contemporary one from the early 2000s. This is Magnolia Electric Company with You Can't Save Everything. And unfortunately, the singer from Magnolia Electric Company, formerly Songs Ohio, died in 2013 from organ failure as well. So there's some eerie similarities between his and John Henry's death after all. the green line track 
That's Jason Molina of Magnolia Electric Company. You can't save everything.
This is old news where I share discoveries and happenings in history studies, archaeology, folklore, and folk music. This week in old news, the Associated Press reported that police in Western Greece broke up an antiquity smuggling ring, recovering more than 2,000 artifacts. Most of the artifacts were ancient coins, but gold jewelry, bronze figurines, glassware, and stone and marble statues were also recovered. The oldest of the objects date to the 6th century BC. The police department says that the artifacts were looted from archaeological sites across Greece and sold to auction houses and private buyers in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and the UK. In Upland, Sweden, a Viking-era runestone has been found near the site of Hagby Church, where it had, during the Middle Ages, been part of a threshold leading to the church's porch. The stone, which measures 6 by 4 feet, was thought to have been lost when the church was torn down in the 1830s. The stone is decorated with a snake-like creature with almond-shaped eyes. Its head and tail come together in the middle of the stone, and the body winds around both long edges, although one edge is now broken. The head of a bird is carved opposite the serpent. The runes are carved into the serpent's long body, so that the missing piece renders the full inscription unreadable. The legible part reads, Jarl and, then there's the broken piece, Stone after Gerfast, his father, Runestones were often dedications to deceased loved ones by surviving family members, so it's likely the missing section includes the names of the Jarl's brothers and sisters. Although the stone is unsigned, the decorative style is recognizable as the work of a rune carver named Fote, who was working in the mid-11th century. He worked in southern Upland, and is believed to have carved more than 40 runestones. Fote was known to be very particular about the stones he used, and his runes are long and slender. Most of what archaeologists know of his work has survived only in replicas, so an original photo is a very exciting find. We are coming to the end of Fair Folk for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about giants, and I hope you'll join me in two weeks' time for the next episode. This is Andrew Bird with The Giant of Illinois. Walking all day through the first winter snow.